It's time for your weekly trip inside the ropes and behind the scenes of the Australian golf industry. Welcome to another episode of the Australian Golf Show with Tiffany Cherry and Mark Allen. Thanks for joining us ahead of a big show we have in store for you. It's a big week for golf in Australia with the participation report being released and we're going to be talking to the boss of Golf Australia very shortly. A big week down at 13th Beach with the Vic Open. Of course, it's one of the premier events uh, across the country and I've just come off the golf course, Marco. It is looking in mint condition. I played in the Pro-Am, lucky enough to play with the second place getter last week, Daniel Gale, who, I tell you what, 25-year-old, he is in brilliant form and one of the loveliest guys I've ever met. Nice to be here, Tiff. Uh, yeah, lucky you. I mean, to, to one, get into the, the, the pro-am, always yep. good fun. They're yep. always great fun to get into those things. But the two, with the, play with the kid who's got a hot hand, incredible. I'm just, you know, Todd Sinnott last week is a, is a great story in itself. Um, there's, there's all this stuff I can remember from Todd Sinnott. I can remember being in an Australian Open at Royal Sydney and I was in earshot of Rory McIlroy and they'd, played together because yep. he was kind of the best amateur in the country, Todd Sinnott, um, and he got to play with Rory. And Rory came off and he was just shaking his head. And he said, you know what, I've played with plenty of people who hit it past me, but I haven't played with anyone who kept on hitting it past me with a three-wood. Now, that gives you an <laughs> idea how far Todd Sinnott can hit the ball when he was younger. Um, he won, what, in 2018 on the Asian Tour of the Miramar, something or other, uh, a little while ago. Um, he had back issues. He was kind of our guy who could miss Yep. And for him to go missing was strange, but for him to come back, mm. that's a big, big step. You know, that, 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 that's, that's hard to do, um, to actually lose your game a little bit or lose your confidence a little bit because he was headed for the stratosphere, this kid. But, yeah. look, uh, to win that tournament, $36,000 jumps into a bank account. Um, he's got a Vic open this week. Uh, that is huge. So well done to Todd Sinnott. But, yeah, this Daniel Gale kid, his name is at the top of the leaderboard all the time. He says he's only 25. He's, what impressed you the most about he- – the way he hits the golf ball, the way he gets around a golf course. So you ask him, where are you going to put this ball? And he he would give it, he would give you pinpoint precision of what he was going to do. I'm going to hit it up here. I'm going to lay it up. It's going to spin backwards and it's going to roll down. Bang. That's yeah. what he did. And just his ability to his driving. Um, he he gave me some some lessons. He was uh, you know helping me to read the the greens and uh, we sunk a few putts and and had a, a, a successful day out. Let's just put it that way without saying I've, anything I've else. I'm told you had a really good day with a putter that you've we, pulled a few Well, putts. Well, that was on the back of Marco's masterclass. I took something from you and I applied it and then he helped me read the greens and bang, I sunk a few. <laughs> Look, I'm glad so, you've had some fun. I'm glad you had some um, fun. He's one of the best guys I've ever played with in terms of just – his sunny disposition, nothing worried him, always happy. He just, he, he was he was on and he was oh, on great. whenever he hit the ball. Yeah. Uh, that's great. I'm so glad you've had a good experience in a program because, look, sometimes, you know, when players have had, played 40 tournaments in the year and it's another pro-am for them. It's another three people that they've never met before. You know, sometimes the pro can, you know, drag his heels a little bit and seem like he's kicking a Coke can out back that. there. But uh, if you've had a great day with Daniel, that is great. Hey, just uh, just to round out, that, that, uh, this TPS series, yep. um, one, it's broadcast, two, uh, the players and the play that we're seeing on TV, yep. this is really successful. This, this is enormous. I, I remember... 
I don't know, it must have been 20 years ago, we had a thing called the Von Nider Tour. Yes, and it was all, all the small events, of course. Yep. You know, Von Nider, huge name here in Australia. Most people had, would have heard about that, about him and, 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 you know, what he was doing for Australian golf back in the 60s. Um, that was huge. That was a big deal, you know, when we had this little tour. This TPS thing, this is something special. I mean, I know Jeff Ogilvy is a big voice behind it. And, yep. And the PGA and, and Golf Australia are right behind it. But the C... Um, each weekend at the moment, every single weekend, we're seeing uh, boys and girls playing together, um, and to have the juniors. Now, this is mm-hmm. this is the big one. You know, we have a cut after the first two rounds, and you think it's just left to the players who, who who have made that cut, which was I think it was one or two under. It was probably two under this week, but then to slot in, just to have the genius to slot in juniors, mm-hmm. and they get to play not just with pros, but they get to play with some pros who are playing very well, some of it, trying to win a big trophy. Absolutely. It, well, it, it is absolutely. I, I, I just think back to when if I, if I was a kid, you know, if I was 14 or 15 yep. years old and somebody came down and sprinkled some gold dust in my back pocket and said, guess what, you're playing with Jeff Ogilvy this weekend, that, that's the biggest day of my life. Absolutely. One of the players, one of the young players who's come through the TPS uh, and she's now playing in the Athena. She just got one of the two wild cards, amateur cards, is Molly McLean. She's a member down at the National, 15 years of age, played at, at Rosebud. Hmm. Um, and I had a fortune to um, take her and, and uh, most of the girls for the Athena for some media training yesterday, actually down oh, at 13th good. Beach. That was such an impressive bunch. But Molly just, you know, yeah, again, her uh, her confidence without being overconfident and, you know, I asked her how she played. She said, oh, yeah, you know, I played all right. But the second day I had two under, so that was getting better. And, you know, she's um, you can see these young players coming through and, as you say, this is giving a cat, this is catching them. It's giving them an opportunity to take the next step up, play yeah. with the likes of Jeff Ogilvy, um, you know, and as you drive down again through uh, at 13th Beach, you've got all the, the big stars and the names and the winners along that driveway mm. as, you, as you're heading there. You know, I wouldn't be surprised that Molly McLean will be one of those in uh, a few years to come. Can we just talk up Jeff Ogilvy just on this for a yep. moment? Because it's one thing to have the idea; it's two to say that you're going to play in them all, but to to actually do it and to actually get some bankroll behind it and 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 whip up enough interest and and a bit of momentum to carry it through. Um, He's covering I, I, more yards than the Prime Minister at the moment. I, <laughs> I saw him this morning. He's he is just really putting everything into his. Yeah, so incredible. he's playing at the Vic Open this week, which is yep. great. You know, for for but to to really grab a hold of the TPS mm. and and to make that work. You know, we saw it in the smaller version last year. Now it's quite a big. I think we've got Cobb and Baruga coming up as yep. well somewhere. I mean, it, it's not going to stop anytime soon. And it gives all of our players, again, the men and the women who have been sitting on their hands back here in Australia watching the rest of the world go around to give them an opportunity to play for good money like yep. 200 a $200,000 tournament there's nothing to be sneezed at you know you finish in the top 5 and you've made some decent money you make the cut and you've got you know you got some petrol money and lunch money and you probably paid for your hotel it doesn't matter it's experience and it's yep. experience playing uh, in a televised tournament, experience playing with some big names. I mean, some of the names, like Todd Sinnott's a big name, Anthony Quayle. I love the fact that he comes back and plays. Brian McPherson, we saw him you know, last year. I don't think he made a bogey for the first two months of last year, the way he was playing. Um, you know, McLeod, Hall, Jed, all these kids that we've seen in the tournament, it's just enormous for kids and mm. for the professional ranks in this country because I think now with all the pathways that do seem to be opening up, 
Yeah. Um, there seems to be a little bit of light in the tunnel. I reckon, you know, if I was a young fella or a young lady right now, I'd be practicing hard because I think things could really open up for a lot of professional golfers if you play well in this country. So it's, yeah. it, it, it's just enormous. And you listen to the, the conversations, you know, just the general chat amongst those younger players coming through, and there's just yep. a lot of buoyancy. They're, they're really a really positive bunch, um, yeah, and positive signs. Hey, I know we talked about putting before, and you, you love your putting, but uh, there was a putt over the weekend that oh. took your breath away. Oh, I think it took everyone's breath away. <laughs> I mean, the Saudi International, now, look, there are people in this world who – you know, write articles and suggest that, you know, people shouldn't be going and playing this and it's, you know, it's blood money. And, and I get that. I understand that argument. I also understand the argument that I've got a family uh, and if I can find $500,000 to go and play over there, then I'm going to look after my family. Mm. Um, so I understand both arguments. Um, you know, we're seeing Olympic Games at the moment in China and we understand what, you know, is happening in the background in China, but no one seems to be talking about that. But I just want to put that on the table. Yes, you know, there yep, are a lot of players it. over there who are just going over there with one thing in mind, and that is to look after their families. And I don't think you can really blame them for that. There, there are probably some guys who have got stacks of money and they've got money coming out their ears and, you know, they're going over to get more. Okay, you can write an argument about that, an article about that. I get it. But let's get past that because not often do you see somebody hole an 80-footer that's from off the green, so it goes up this slope at the start, then it goes up slowly, then down this amazing um, you know, hollow, and then it starts to turn, and on the last roll or two just falls in, not to get into a place to actually go past Bubba Watson. I mean, you, just don't, you don't see that sort of thing very often. It's a dream for Greg Norman and his mob to get that publicity. I mean, if it was just, you know, if he three-putted and Bubba Watson won, I don't think it would have been a big deal. But for that putt to go in, you know, the people who are Harold. running that tour, they're, they're, they're doing cartwheels, um, that, that, you know, the publicity that, that got around the world. So well done to Harold. Uh, bad luck, Bubba. Let's see what happens. I've, I've, look, I've got a feeling the Saudi money over there, I think it's going to be a good thing. I think it's going to push the... Uh, world Tour and the, and, and the PGA Tour, I think it's going to push him a little bit harder and yeah. they'll probably push Greg away again um, and, and make these World Golf Championships that much better. So, look, I, I think in the long run, and I'm not talking about next year or the year after, maybe, you know, four or five years from now, I think the World Golf Championships will indeed be World Golf Championships and not 80% of them played in America. Well, so we'll see what happens. Yes. That's, I think, what's behind it. That's why we've got uh, the PGA Tour and the, and the DP World Tour in the same room at the moment trying to work out how to combat what we're seeing. Um, well done to the Asian Tour. You know, they, they get some big money for their players on that tour. Um, let's see what happens. Yep, let's see well, what happens from this point on. Worldwide resurgence in golf at the moment, so um, it's all moving in the right direction. All right, we're going to take a break, Marco. We've got some big names coming up Who right got? after this. Who uh, we we'll just Who wait we and stick around. Right. You're listening to the Australian Golf Show as we welcome the boss of Golf Australia, James Sutherland, on the back of a nationwide participation report and some continuing positive trends, James, for golf across the country. Welcome to the show. Can you paint the picture for us? Oh, thanks, Tiff. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, look, it's really exciting stuff for us to be able to talk about the growth in golf. I mean, I think we all know and understand that COVID has been kind to golf um, and people have come back to the game and, and golfers are playing more golf than they have. But to see, be able to release data that sees, for example, membership, you know, one of our real traditional 
uh, measures of um, golf participation up six and a half percent across mm. the country. It's a, phenom a phenomenal number, but also then more broadly, um, the number of people who are playing rounds of golf up something like 200,000. So, you know, 20% right. increase to uh, 1.2 million is uh, something uh, that we're very, very pleased to see, obviously. And you always talk about all kinds of golf, James, and uh, driving ranges and, you know, all kinds of public golf courses right across the country are absolutely full. It, it must be fantastic because we know that's the first step in golf, to get yourself down to a driving range or a, um, you know, a Himalayan putting green or a putt-putt or, or whatever it might be to get that final number of membership, which is just fantastic to see almost 20% rise. Yeah, it's sort of it's uh, it's in some ways the membership is at the end of the of the journey. That's uh, um, those that get there can can stay there for as long as they like, obviously. But uh, I think part of our message, Mark, is that uh, we believe that everyone in Australia can be a golfer. Um, all golf is golf, so all types of golf qualify as golf. And as an extension of that, uh, it's never too late to start. And golf is a great sport and we want more people believing that uh, there's something in it for them. So, James, if the trend continues this way, we're going to be having people, and this would be obviously a great thing, but not necessarily, people turned away. So what's the sustainability of being able to, you know, capture this increasing trend and positive trend? What have we got on the horizon? More driving ranges, more, you know, more, more of the, the mini golf, more of the whatever it might be that can obviously service this increase in, uh, you know, in, in people wanting to play the game? Well, I mean, as we know, it's simple in economics, demand demand drives supply. And, and I think that first things first, we, we need to continue to create better experiences for um, people that first come into the game. So make them feel welcome, but also um, the, the joy of um, not only being welcome, but having good facilities, having good coaching support, feeling as though they're getting better. And, and most importantly, that they're having fun. Um, they're the real fundamentals that we want to be focused on. And, and I think everything grows from there. And, and obviously with that demand, I mean, we can't expect people to build new golf courses or driving ranges. But one of the things that is happening is um, driving ranges are getting technology in mm. place, that they're, they're improving their facilities, the balls you hit are getting better all the time, and it's, it's raising the bar around the country. And that's a great thing. And the extension of that or the next step there is, um, you know, we, we announced before Christmas um, a partnership with the Molfa Group who are prepared to put $60 million into golf facilities around the country. And we're now, we've got expressions of interest that have come in um, over the course of the weeks leading into Christmas. We've got about 60 uh, different parties that are interested in um, getting, getting hold of some of right. that money to see an improvement in these facilities. Mm -hmm. James, uh, just from my experience, I just heard Tiff mention many golf. Uh, when I drive past uh, one of the local public golf courses called Albert Park in town, they've just put the mini golf up. It's packed every time I go past on the weekends. I go past on Saturday and Sunday. It's always fourth. It's a nice day. At headquarters at Golf Australia, you've just built the Himalayan putting green. Yep. Um, my daughter wants to go every week. I mean, they, they're, just, they're just little things, but... You know, I had to drag her to golf, drag her to that Himalayan putting green. But now that she sees it, now that she knows it, she feels like mm. she is making progress. Those little things that you must see, yeah. um, you must be wrapped because I reckon it would be a big hurdle for, you know, most people to say, what, what are we building, a big hilly putting green? What are, we, you know, what are we building, a mini golf? But to see actually the numbers go there, it must be heartwarming for you. 
Yeah, and I think that's, um, you know, for kids in those, you know, even, you know, toddler through to, you know, a junior primary school mm. age, um, that first experience with golf, I think mini golf is absolutely ideal for that. My, I can remember my first experience was a putt-putt mini yeah. golf thing on the uh, on the Gold Coast when we used to go up there on September holidays and that was my very first experience with golf and I think many, many people would have uh, would be similar in that regard and I think it's completely underrated as um, as I guess a funnel that catch, captures people and, and takes them on the pathway. The alternative golf, James, uh, a number of, the, you know, the positive trend is that we've got a lot of percentage of women who are, who are you know, just trialling golf in some way or form. What does this participation report say about women coming to the game and, and the trends that we're seeing? I think there's some, I mean, there's some really interesting things. I mean, the cold heart truth Tiff is that 19% of people that are members of golf clubs are female. Um, that's uh, not a desirable number. We'd like to see that gender balance um, significantly improved. But it is really interesting that when you look at alternative forms, the average age of people uh, who play those alternative forms is much younger than the membership and it is also much better balanced in terms of gender. And so I mean, there's something in that, as um, I think you've heard me say before, uh, only 14% of the people that hit balls last year in Australia are members of golf clubs. Mm. And so my question for all of us uh, that work in golf is what are we doing to support and grow the passion of the 86%? Yep. How do we get them to hit more balls? How do we get them to move along the pathway and uh ultimately um perhaps their journey might take them into membership yeah and a big part of that is the role models and we're seeing some great young players coming through i know that you played i believe you just played in the prime at 13th beach and uh, steph kuriaku has just obviously achieved her tour card in the lpga uh for this coming season so yeah just your thoughts on playing with steph and what did she teach you <laughs> it was awesome. I mean, she was her driving today was just incredible. I could not get near her all day, um, much as I tried. Um, but but also um, just chatting to her and and hearing about her anticipation about her first year on the LPGA tour. And I, I asked her specifically what she was looking forward to, and she said just just being there, you know, being being in America where it all happens, it's something that she's dreamt of, and she's got that to look forward to this year. She's earned the right, and let's hope she plays really well this week, but also has a great year over there. Hey, James, just on that, uh, I always hear about when our players go to America, they've got a base at Woodlands, um, at the Woodlands Golf Facility in Houston, and they all get back there and they play. Um, did Steph mention, you know, going there, just getting a little, you know, a little taste of Australia again and doing some practice, getting her coaches all together? Because I know the players who do get to go there absolutely love it. You know, they play in their amateur tournaments right around the country or maybe they're just sharpening up to, on some of the mini tours. Did, did she say mention anything about that? Because I think that's one of the great things that Golf Australia does is get all those people together in one spot. Here we are, Team Australia. How can we help you? Yeah, it's true, Mark. And I've come to learn, you know, since I've started in this job, come to learn a little bit about, um, you know, the house that we've got over there. Luke Mackey, one of our high-performance guys with his wife, manages um, the house. And it's basically open to any Australian golfer that wants a taste of home. You know, they might be a bit homesick or they might be just passing through. They might have a week off, whatever it might be. They can come down, stay in the house. They're welcome. They've got the facilities at the course. 
um, just nearby. And it really is, I think, a, a wonderful, it's a significant investment for us, but I think it's a wonderful asset and we don't hear anything but great things. And and on top of that, I think there's an incredible camaraderie as well yeah. between the Australian golfers as a result of that. James, the, um, the Vic Open, just going back to that, it's been a, a world leader for a number of years now with having the women and the men obviously playing the same tournament and, and the same prize money. Just what are you getting from the, the conversations you have, you have with you know, people that you're meeting and the, the corporates, the players um, and their appetite? And we also have seen it with the TPS events as well. It's a survey of one mentioned Steph before. I was talking to her about it today, um, and and her caddy actually, um, Benji. Um, they both said that of all of the tournaments they've played um, around the world, this is their favourite tournament. Oh, wow. They just love coming down here. And and what Steph said is that and part of it is the men and women playing together, mm. um, but it's also the relaxed in environment um as a as a beachside town i guess um a bit of a holiday place um, yep. people can stay on the course um and all of those things i think conspire together for uh, a lovely golf experience and um, hopefully a great event as well well we wish you the best uh, for the coming weekend of course sitting back watching it but i uh, hope you had a, a great day out there it was magnificent conditions and uh, the course is looking in fantastic condition so um, all the best for the Vic Open coming up James and and obviously for the the trends of golf that we're seeing thanks Tim. thanks Mark good on you James thanks for joining us and uh, we've got a little bit of time Marco so Hannah Green one of the stars of the show at 13th Beach obviously ahead of the weekend is joining us now here she is with Martin Blake Greeny driving in there's posters of you mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever had that before how's that feel yeah, that was a very cool feeling. Um, drove in Sunday night, was dropping off a friend who's staying here at the resort and saw it, so it was pretty cool. Um, and, yeah, to be next to Jeff, who obviously does a lot for the game here in Australia, is pretty pretty cool. And does it add anything to yourself? I mean, you're coming off, I think it's 12 weeks since you played a golf mm-hmm, tournament. Yep. Does it add a little bit of pressure or do you just it's just part of it for you? I think it's just part of it. You know, I, it's really nice to actually be playing a golf tournament in Australia. Um, unfortunately, due to borders, I wasn't able to play any events last year. So it's been a couple of years since I've played on home soil and I love playing. I love the experience. I love having the pressure, but also having everyone barrack for me as well. So it's really nice to come back and see so many familiar faces and some new faces. So I'm really excited for the, you know, the week to start and hopefully not too rusty after you said 12 weeks. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. By and large, you've had a bit of success mm-hmm. at this tournament. What do you put that down to? Um, I think just the environment. Um, it's so relaxed, you know, having the crowd, not necessarily out, like in rope or outside ropes, I should say. Um, staying with my boyfriend. I've had great host family. Um, I don't know. It's just a really nice way to start the year. Um, the golf course probably suits me a little bit. It's a little bit quirky, a little tricky, so I, I prefer it that way. And, I mean, the conditions at the moment are really kind we'll see what happens comes Thursday but I know Sunday is going to be really hot and I've just come from Perth which has been 40 degrees so that might help me a little bit with my endurance but um no I just love it out here have you set any targets for this year um I want to go and win it um it's a tournament I mean it's my first event of the year but I don't see why I can't um there's obviously a few players that are probably going to be up there as well come the end on Sunday but um I you know a few of my goals is to win some events and I don't see why I can't have my hands on the Vic Open trophy and broader targets for 2022? Um, I'd love to be in the top 10 in the world come the end of the year. Um, obviously, in order to do that, I've got to win events. So I'm banking on myself to play well. Uh, I've had a really good pre-season, so I just want to go out there and play and 
when the LPGA started a few weeks ago, I was really itching to get out there. And even when my friend Sue won, um, I was so excited for her, but did miss it a lot. So um, I feel like I'm in the best mental state and physical state. So just looking forward to 2022. What's it been like having a bit of time back in Perth? What have you actually been up to? Have you been out to Mount Lawley at all? Yeah, I've been practicing there for the last month or so. Um, Decided to take pretty much all of December off. Um, Just needed a recharge. I've been on the road for five months, so a long time away from being home. And um, every time I'm in Perth, time goes so quickly. So, um, yeah, put the sticks away for a month and then got back into it and felt really recharged and motivated to get back into it. Um, Been seeing my coach Richie at Royal Fremantle and then as well practicing at my home club at Orly. So um, it's been really good, but yeah, could be a little bit rusty, but I'm looking forward to coming and challenging myself out here. We all sort of know the reasons why this isn't an LPGA event Mm -hmm. this year, but would you like to see it return to that in the years to come as it has been previously? Yeah, definitely. Everyone loves the format. Um, Other, you know, tours are trying to do the same thing and get men and women at the same venue. Sometimes it can be hard, depending on where you are, to have the facility, and we're so lucky to be at 13th Beach that has 36 holes. But, um, yeah, I think all the girls that came down here just raved about and told everyone how much fun it was, not only, you know, as a women's event, but the men playing alongside us as well. So um, hopefully it can come back. Obviously it's a bit hard with borders at the moment, but we'll see what happens next year. Just how tricky is it to be away from the course for this long and to come into a professional event? It is hard. Um, I mean, I've I've played as much as I possibly could um, the last four weeks, but, you know, it's not the same environment. There's not as much pressure when you're out playing with your mates at a course that you play every day. So it's going to be a little bit different, but, um, you know, I've been working hard, so hopefully I can just match it all together. That'll be the thing, I think, is one thing might go so well and the other might not. So trying to make sure that it all meshes and I have a low score is, yeah, what I'll be trying to achieve. A 21% increase in participation nationally announced today. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that out on the course uh, when you've been back at Mount Lawley, have you noticed a lot of people on the course and do you sense that there's a bit of a momentum for golf at the moment in the in the pandemic with a lot of people, you know, they obviously see it as a safe game to play? Yeah, absolutely. Um, even when golf courses closed briefly in Western Australia, trying to get a tee time as soon as they did was really difficult. Um, I think tea sheets were filling up within five minutes. Um, even for myself, it was really hard to get a tea time. And I don't think since COVID, is, you know, it's been a couple of years, I don't think that's really changed. Uh, people just loving golf. And I think it's become a bit more um, inclusive as well. I feel like everyone's trying to play. And even um, Wembley, Wembley Golf Course um, back in Western Australia, public track, there's so many people on the driving range. So it's not only just playing, but also you know wanting to hit balls and playing mini golf. So it's great to see um, that's what we want as professional golfers to see more people in the sport so it's great to actually hear some stats that actually show that it is happening you mentioned sue winning i imagine it's a lot of pride but it's a bit of jealousy too um no not really i think maybe if i was playing the event it it would have been but um no i'm so happy for her and i knew that she was going to do well that week but um i wish that i was there to actually celebrate with her in person but i'll be seeing her this afternoon so that'll be nice um but yeah i've been she's been with me the two times that I've won on LPGA so it would be nice for me to return the favour so hopefully we both have great seasons this year. And you probably, the two of you are really close, Mm -hmm. you probably haven't been in contention with each other in one event, Mm -hmm. this week's probably the best chance, she's playing good, you're coming back, you've played well here so she, how would that dynamic work do you think if it's coming down to Sunday and you're playing the Mm -hmm. same group and trying to beat each other, how how do you think it would go? 
I think we'll just be the same. Like, we actually haven't played too many tournament rounds together. I think last year was actually the first time, and that was just in round three. But, I mean, we know each other's game well enough. We're just probably going to take it as easy as possible. Like, I have a friend caddying for me, and she has a dad caddying. So it's going to be a very relaxed environment. And, you know, it might be a bit different if we're playing for perhaps a US Open trophy. But the Vic Open, it's, it's just a different environment. But, yeah, we'll, we'll both be wanting to get our name on that trophy as we both haven't had it on there yet. So it'll be interesting. Great to have you join us again as we check in now with Australian Golf Media Manager Martin Blake. Lots of news around the traps. Martin, what's the latest? Hey, first of all, where are you, Blakey? There's so much noise in the background. You, you must be somewhere very special. I'm in the lobby of the 13th Beach Clubhouse, actually, uh, at the Vic Open, the one and only Vic Open, Marco, which you played in a few years ago. Yep. Um, hopefully you can hear me okay. Uh, I was in the media room before and that was even noisier, so you'll have to bear with me. But it's the ninth year of this event at 13th Beach. And next year is the last year of the current deal with Golf Australia. I was speaking to the club yesterday, Craig Skinning, the general manager, and they want to extend. They want it to continue. I don't think there's any big surprise in that. It's been a great thing for the club and it's been a great thing for the event as well. Uh, Really, the Vic Open, the, the enormous growth of the Vic Open came during this time down at 13th Beach. I remember when they... They decided to bring it down here. It was Golf Victoria at the time. I uh, I, I was sceptical, I've got to say. I thought too far from Melbourne, uh, too far out of town. But it's been embraced by the local community. Uh, you know, a lot of the players have billeted out with local families here this week. You've got, you know, the local footy clubs running the car park. It's a real community feel to it. And I think James spoke about that earlier. It does seem to fit here. So they want to extend it beyond next year it will be here uh, in 2023 but they want to extend it so can, can we just year. talk where the height that it got to as well martin because yeah. you know the year that min Woo lee won the event it was a european tour event for the men and a u.s tour event for yes. the women now you know if you told me 10 years ago that we were going to have uh, men and women playing in the same tournament one was going to be a european tour <laughs> event and the other one was going to be a u.s tour event and that yeah. event wasn't the problem. australian open it was the victorian open then i would have laughed at you uh, and probably yeah. not spoken to you for about three days to tell you the all, truth all, all power to simon brookhouse who's yeah. no longer with with golf australia but uh he's the ceo of golf victoria in the in the nine or ten years that they originally had the event here. The prize money it went by ten times. It increased by ten times from three hundred grand to three million uh, in twenty twenty. COVID has turned everything upside down, and on this occasion, I mean this this event was seriously threatened. It, it could have fallen over because of the COVID pandemic and the, and the border closures and all the. There's just no certainty. It's so hard to to run events. Uh, now, so it, it was close to falling over. In the end, Golf Australia decided they wanted to have something, even with reduced prize money. So they've cut the prize money to four hundred and ten thousand dollars for each event, which is a lot less than what it was the last time it was played. But at least we've got an event on, and it's there's something for the local players to have a crack at. And I'd love to think that the European Tour. Uh, status would come back very quickly, maybe as soon as next year. There are requirements with that. You have to have about $1.6 million prize money on offer. So, you know, there's a, there's a, a change needs to come there uh, or an increase needs to come. And, uh, you know, the LPGA might be a harder thing to get back, but let's hope that that can be a work in progress. Tiff. And there's a big carrot for the men as well with those three spots at the Open being on offer for the top three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, came out, 
that came out of the blue tiff because those spots were with the New Zealand Open, yep. but the New Zealand Open got cancelled last week. So the authorities here, Golf Australia and the PGA, very quickly got onto the RNA, and the RNA said, "Okay, we'll switch it over to the Vic Open," which which the Vic Open's never had before. It used to be with the Australian Open, of course, but we haven't had an Australian Open for two years. So look, a lot of the players are talking about that. Jed, uh, you know, someone like uh, Jed Morgan, younger players, even Jeff Ogilvie, I spoke to today. I mean, imagine. Uh, if Jeff had a good week this week and finished yeah. in the top three and he goes back to a, an open championship, not just any open championship, the 150th yeah. yes. at, at the old course at St Andrews. So I'm really looking forward to that to see. I, I actually hope that a, a, a good young player, you know, you talked a little bit about Todd Sinner before, you know, what a great story that was last week at Rosebud for him to finally get up and have a win after a few years and all of the, the back issues he's had. So I'd love someone like that to, to jump in and, and win. Uh, but don't have to win, just get in the top three. Mm. I, I want to ask you guys just your opinion on this. Uh, and believe me, I, I'm, I think the three spots this week's Victorian Open, fantastic. And if I was playing, I'd you know, if I won one of those spots, I'm not giving it back. <laughs> I want to ask you this. Qualifying was always about finding players who are playing well on the doorstep of the tournament. So, for instance, years and years and years ago when I was trying to qualify for Opens, it was the week beforehand and I'd fly from wherever I was to try and get in that spot. And that made sense. But you two, well, you two know as well as I do that uh, from February to July, you can get the shanks next week yep. uh, before you know it. So, look, so so that's in the background, and, and we get it. Um, would you pre- would you prefer a qualifying that was a little bit closer? Even though, like I said, in, in a perfect world, and I know we're we're not even close to living in a perfect world at the moment. But would you prefer something a little bit closer to the open event? Um, I see where you're coming from, Marco. That's probably the old school, you know, that was definitely the way that it was done. The new school is that they like, they've got an international final qualifying and they've got numerous events where they offer up uh, places uh, in the Open Championship resulting from that event. I think there's 45 or 46 places yeah. available from these events. And what it does is it adds to those events. So I guess they're trying to give a kick mm. along. The RNA are trying to give a kick along to those tours, really. No, I can see the. I can see. Like I can. I promise you, I can see the argument from both sides. It's easy to see. It does. You know, when we found out that the three open events, three open spots were available this Vic Open. I mean, the, the event goes to a new level like that. So, you know, I can see both angles. Um, I, I do like the romance of finding the best players on the doorstep of the tournament. Uh, but uh, being selfish, having our three spots in the Victorian Open to give away to hopefully three kids who really deserve it. Um, well, that's just intoxicating, that is, especially when you're talking about going to St Andrews in the 150th. Enormous. Another thing worth mentioning is the Order of Merit, guys, the Australasian Tour yeah. Order Order of Merit, because Anthony Quayle had a, a very good week at Rosebud other than probably the last hour or so of his final round. He actually should have won last week, Anthony Quayle, and he already won the Queensland PGA or earlier this season. He's probably the best player out on this tour just at the moment. So he's gone up to third behind uh, Jed Morgan and Andrew Doth. They're one and two. Top three on the Australasian Tour this year goes straight to the European Tour. They get cards to play on the DP World Tour, uh, which starts its next season's DP World Tour. So it starts, I think, November or September, October this year. So uh, really big carrot there. Jed Morgan's running out in front. I, I spoke to him today and I said, have you got it locked up? Because he won 180 grand by winning the Australian 
Australian PGA at Royal Brisbane. He says, no, nah, I'm not going to count. I just want to keep playing and make sure I, I get through. Other players are saying, well, you can't be caught because we've only got smaller money events like this week's 400,000 total purse, whereas, he, you know, he, he, you know he's, he's pretty much got it covered. He certainly will be in the top three. So we often talk about pathways, and, Marco, I know you love this this type of uh, of way of doing things. It, it's about pathways. It's creating something. Jed Morgan's only 22 years old. Uh, unless he falls over completely, he's going to go straight straight on to the DP World Tour later this year. Incidentally, yeah. uh, spoke to, having spoken to Jed earlier today, he, he slipped over to Saudi Arabia as, as part of his uh, win in the Austra- Australian PGA in Brisbane, gave him a start in that event. Uh, in Saudi Arabia with some of the best players in the world. He, he was blown away. He could, couldn't believe it. But he's come back this week. The jet lag's kicked in a bit, but he's he's back here trying to win the Vic Open. Well, let, let's do the sums. I mean, if Anthony Quayle wins, what, it's a $400,000 event, 80%, it's about $72,000. 70, 70 to 80 grand. Yeah. yeah, 70 to 80 grand. I mean, he's going to be nipping at the heels if uh, he, he, he is, does get but, up and win. He is, but it's top three on the order of merit. So, uh-huh. Jed would have to be overtaken by two other players. So, I think he's going to be fine, but he's not counting his chickens yet. Hey, one of the uh, my favourite courses that I've ever played with, had the privilege of playing at, was at Pebble, Pebble Beach. And Jason oh, Day and Andy, Andy, I have, I have, I have played with oh, friends. Luck. And I know, I, that's exactly right. Um, and Jason Day, I mean, he started well, obviously, he ended up fading to tied for 24th, I think it was, but some positive signs coming from him. Jason Day looks really good to me. I, I, I'm really surprised. I, 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 I must. I'll, I'll put it on the line. I, I've pretty much written him off. I thought he was, you know, on the downslide, getting older. Me too. Me too. Injury. You know, no other reason other than too many injuries, too much illness, too many things going wrong. Uh, he's found a way. Now, Marco, you would know more about this than me, but he's hitting left to right. Okay, yep. he's hitting power fades. He's always hit a draw. He's gone to power fades. There's something in that swing that doesn't hurt his back. Yeah. So what he's been doing and what we're all taught, and this is what the masterclass is going to be on a little bit later, the, the things we were taught 30 years ago, it's almost complete opposite of what we're being taught these days. Now, if you're a young, skinny golfer, man or woman, and you've got one of these long swings, we see it all the time, you, you're taught at the very start of your, at your golfing journey to keep your hips still. And what that does is, you know, you, you get a very, Total. very solid base. Uh, they say, yeah, they talk about the torque that you uh, develop, mm-hmm. but also it shortens the swing and it, it keeps you in control. But what we are finding now, the more players that, that do this, they're getting either back problems down the track or when their body actually yes. stiffens up, their swings become so short it's not funny. So Jason's actually trying to do two things. He's trying to turn his hips and trying to flatten off his swing and then if we're going to throw a third one in there, he's trying to keep the face very square through impact. So we see these fades. Now, you all, you you guys watch as much golf as I do. When you've got the shot tracer uh, behind the shots, everyone's hitting fades. Lefties are hitting fades. Righties are hitting fades. The girls are hitting fades. Everybody's hitting fades. And that is because when you do that, think of a topspin forehand when you're playing tennis. You know, you basically, you've got to roll Mm-hmm. Uh, the tennis racket. It's the same way you draw. The, the hit draws, really, you've got to roll the club face, but the hit fades, um, you can keep that club face nice and square. And, of course, if you keep the club face squarer through impact, then you're going to be a more consistent player. 
And with the equipment these days, you know, once upon a time, if you hit a draw, it didn't spin as much, the back spin as much as when you hit and fade. These days, you know, they just go into the tour van, they come out with a driver that hardly spins at all, they can hit <laughs> fades. And, you know, the fades are going as far as the old draws going. So it's just making sense to everybody, it seems, to hit fades. Oh. And, and now that we're seeing him do it, it's pretty impressive. Well, watch this space with Jason because, you know, to me he looked like he was – he looks extremely good. So who knows what he could win. Uh, Cam Smith, of course, is the man of the moment. He's back in the top ten in the world. He jumped out for a couple of weeks, uh, finished in the top five in Saudi Arabia. That was really the only big performance of the week. I had one more thing, uh, Tiff, uh, which was my stat of the week. 700,000 is my stat of the week. That what is, is that? that is the crowd that they will get at the Phoenix Open this oh, week across the whole week. Wow. It's the biggest. It's the yeah. biggest crowd in golf. The record was seven hundred nineteen thousand in twenty eighteen. Since then, it's been impacted by well, COVID, but they're pretty much back to no limits this year. They get two hundred thousand people there on the Saturday of that event, and they have twenty thousand on the sixteenth hole, which is a par three where. In 1997, Tiger Woods knocked knocked his iron shot in for a hole in one there. Yeah. They say it's the loudest noise that's ever yeah. been heard in golf. And don't forget, of course, Jared Lyle, the yeah, late Jared absolutely. Lyle. Absolutely. 2011, you effing beauty. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, his uh, caddy, I'll tell you a story about Jason, which he told in the book. I did a book with Jace, uh, with Jared, with Jared, Jared my, my apologies. Uh, Hazy and Mark Hayes and I did a book with him and he, he told the story. His caddy, his name's Jason Shortall, gave him some ball. Uh, Jared was so excited after he knocked that ball in the hole, the crowd's going off. So his caddy handed him a few, few golf balls out of the bag to sign and throw into the crowd, which Jared was loving all the, the attention and he threw a few <laughs> balls in the crowd. They got to the 18th hole, which is water all down the left. And Jared hits away from the water down the right-hand side, so he's hit a nice, safe tee shot. The caddy, Jason, says, nice tee shot there. And Jared thinks, why is he saying that? It's just a normal tee shot. He only had one ball left and he had one golf ball left. <laughs> so so that's, that's just a little anecdote about the late, great Jared Lyle, who will be honoured at the TPC Murray event next week. Yeah, and I saw I saw. Dave Rogers down there today, and they were collecting some From uh, challenge. Yeah, yeah, they were collecting money on uh, one of the holes. I can't remember what it was, but it was closest to the pin uh, for challenge. So anyway, great job that they're doing, and uh, and, and bless Jared Lyle. Well, Blakey, thanks so much. Uh, have a great weekend. It's a big one for you, and we look forward to catching up next week. And we've got Marco's masterclass, and we've had a little appetizer, Marco. I'm looking forward to this one. It's right yep. after the break. Well, we've got Marco's masterclass before we finish the show, and I'm looking forward to this one, Marco. There's a, I've picked up a few tips from you. What am I going to pick up this week? Well, this one's all about uh, if you've been keeping your hips still or you're not turning them enough or you want some more power or you want to flatten off your swing, this is what Jason Day is doing and this is what's changed his golfing direction right now. I always go back to the really one simple thing, and that is cross your arms on your chest, get in your golf stance, and make a big shoulder turn. You'll find when you do that, your right hip, if you're a right-hander, is the thing that's driving that big shoulder turn. It just does. It's the first thing that moves. So when you feel this, when you try and do it in your golf swing, quite often your arms can feel not connected. So if you turn that right pocket back and try and keep your right elbow nice and close to that right pocket, 
you'll find you'll feel more connected and then you'll have a much better chance of being on plane and coming down and feeling solid in pressure situations. That's one of Greg Norman's big tips as well. The first thing he used to tell uh, Butch Harmon when he went to Butch Harmon, Butch always tells people this, right pocket goes straight back. That's one of Greg Norman's big ones as well. So Jason Day doing it now, Greg Norman doing it in the past. If you want to hit nice, long, straight shots with a big shoulder turn, get that right hip going straight back. You can't go wrong. Thanks, Marco. Check in next week. See you next week.